Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. Uh, Chip is not here today, but behind the board, as always, Kahuna, what's going on? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Same fun stuff, different day. Yeah. Like our topic today. Yeah, this should be this should be an interesting one. Um, let me introduce our guests real quick. I have two very funny stand-up comics. Uh, one of them is an old friend. One of the fr- I, I I feel like I met you pretty quickly after I started doing comedy, but um, I've known him for ages. Uh, welcome, Joe Prano, to the show. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah. It's yeah, nice. I, I don't even I don't even remember when we met. That's uh, it's the kind of thing that you push down in your memories, and <laughs> trauma you talk about in therapy. You know, we we crack it in hypnosis. <laughs> Isn't your podcast about getting over meeting Ken, Joe? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's do you know you know what's funny is Joe? I don't even know if you remember this, but years ago you suggested to me you were like, "Hey, we should start a podcast. It could be funny to start a podcast with two guys that don't know each other that well on different coasts." Oh yeah, that sounds like an idea I would have and never do anything about. Yeah, and I was like, "What's a fucking <laughs> podcast? Who would listen to that?" No thanks. <laughs> now, now I'm all excited. I got you as a guest on mine. I'm so glad we didn't start that podcast. You and I together, if we had started a podcast a few years ago, it would be long canceled. Yeah. <laughs> it, would, it would not have lasted. It'd be like, we have hours of audio things now. You guys can't work. <laughs> yes. yeah. I, rem- yeah. I remember you doing a long bit on drunk driving the first time I saw you. And I was like, yeah, that's my dude right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still a good bit. Um, and, uh, the next guest is somebody I, I just met, uh, I just worked with a few weeks ago, but it was one of the wildest, uh, nights of comedy I've ever been involved with. And, uh, he is a hit podcast, uh, called the dollop, uh, welcome Gareth Reynolds to the show. Hey, hi everybody. Hi Joe. I can Gareth from, uh, yep. Now. Is that Jose? This is Jose. Yes, Joe. There you go. That's Jose. That's your yeah. cat? Yeah, it's a painting picture. of my cat. Yep. Yep. Got a weird little empire of Jose memorabilia over here. <laughs> my legacy. It Did you... I, was that I've like... I've finally seen Jose. I've seen a lot of not Jose's. Yep. Yes. The fun game. The game that... <laughs> and then some, like... So basically, like, people will tweet me pictures that are just like a fat whales and they'll be like is this jose like my cat because my cat's a little big boned and um and then i'll be like no that's not Jose. it's a little game i have on twitter so that's what joe's alluding to that he's finally seen the real one and then some people when we do that they're like i wish people would respect him and i'm like no it's settle down we don't need to get like 2021 on my cat we can relax (laughs) it's cool it's just a bit we're just having a little fun here um the night the night that i worked with you gareth was honestly you had one of the best quotes after the show it was it was the saturday late night crowd and we knew they were trouble just from walking in there was like there was like a 20 lady birthday party or bachelorette they all had the tiaras when you see when you see Tierra's walking into a comedy club, you know that you're in for a long fucking late night. show too. When yes. it's late show, you're like, oh, they're yeah. just they're juiced up. Yeah, yeah, they've they've been drinking since like noon. Yeah, and um, the energy- but then they they paired that with a table of like four like a fourteen person Italian birthday family too of like. Oh, yeah, and you know, stress factory. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they were that's like, right. Oh yes, of course. They were like, Wait, this is the new game we're playing called Guess the Club. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you know, you know who would, you know who would be great together, seated yeah. in one giant chunk, would be the two loudest fucking parties. Get those together. Get some synergy going over there. <laughs> See like electrical currents flying between the tables, and you, Ken and I were in the back, like. This does not end well. Not only that, then um, Richie went up and did a set, and he 
he he was like engaging with them. So by the time Ken got up, they were like, "We are the show." Yeah, and like, yeah. So yeah, it became it was it was a wild evening. It became like whack-a-mole with heckling. Like you would, I would turn and shut one down and then another three would pop up and it became like, how quickly can you deal? But you had a quote, you had a quote afterwards that uh, I think about a lot where you said, because there was no way you were just getting through your set. You, you had to stop like every 90 seconds to deal with someone in the crowd. But it, it as much of a shit show as it was, I think we both agreed that it, for whatever reason, was fun that night. And yeah. um, you said uh, you were like, that was just like jazz. Like, I've played all those songs before, but never like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was... It was you know, honestly, what it reminded me of is when I used to, and I've had this a few times with, you know, situations, but of doing a kid's birthday party. When I used to dress up like superheroes for kids' birthday parties, you would have your set. You'd have, you'd be like, I'm going to do, you know, hula hoops, magic tricks, balloon and whatever. You'd have your, your set list. And then there would just, it would just, you'd be thrown to total chaos and would just have to find. And that was like, the energy was like, they were children. And yeah. they were just, they continually needed attention in some way. And I try to not be like, I'm not like someone who like tries to be mean. You know what I mean? Like it takes, but there are certain times where you just have to go. Yeah. I have to be like a fucking prick to kind of lay the law down. And that table of the, the table of women were just like fired up. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I assume the Jersey crowd, that's all that they want. They just want to be, they want tough love. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Even though the one girl, daddy, well, the one girl after the show goes, the only reason why you're even up there is because you have a small dick. I was like, well, I mean, listen, (laughs) as long as you set it off stage, that's all that matters. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons. It's one of three reasons. Right. My dick, my dad, and my financial situation. (laughs) You had another. You had another great quote. The, the I'm, I won't say my name, but the host struggled. I love that Ken brings like a small notebook that you think he's writing jokes in, and he's just writing the quotes from the headliners. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I got to remember just funny the, shit that they say. The 1950s beat reporter in the locker room after the game. <laughs> a, a show that would be like running and reruns on A and E during the day. When that one heckler said that thing, what, what were you thinking then? Hey, the punchliner. But when you the host really struggled, and at the end of the night, as the club was cleaning up, one of the servers from the club was pulling out a large, like a huge garbage pail. He was dragging it down to the sidewalk, and Gareth points to the host and says, "Hey, look, they're taking your act out." <laughs> I, I definitely, but I did. I mean, I thought he did well. I he, that night it was that night was a difficult. Well, that he was thrown to the to wolves. Yeah, that, yeah. That. I, I was totally. Uh, uh, but yes, I hope he took that as like a all in fun joke. I mean, I smacked him after I said it. Hosting at Stress Factory is always difficult because you have to follow videos of babies vomiting. No, yeah. not- no it's, a t- it's a tough job. <laughs> yeah. Well, my first night I followed uh, Vinny, who was up there for, you know, I remember the last time I was there when he was like, you know, I'll do like 10 minutes. And then he's just doing like 20 and just people are like, ah, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's really getting these people fired up. <laughs> um. All right. Let's uh, let's get into today's topic so today we're covering suge knight and death row records um were you guys big i mean they were huge in the 90s were were you guys death row records fan fans big west coast guys yeah for sure oh is joey frozen we got joey frozen um i was made yeah for sure yeah i mean i'm trying to think like when it started that i was really interested in it but yeah i mean uh, uh, what like the i mean i guess the chronic like once once the chronic came out you were in and then once they made the move over you know once death row became like a big thing yeah i mean like when tupac came out of jail um 
you know, like that, that time was, even when you watch movies or like documentaries about that time, you are, it was just, was such a crazy fucking time with all the shit that was going on with the, especially with the, like, you know, the way it became East coast, West coast, like that was just all so intense. So yeah, I was fascinated by it. I was at the right age at the right time for that shit. Yeah. Yeah, they were, and it ignited, so, yeah, just to remind the listeners, Death Row Records, Suge Knight formed them with Dr. Dre uh, and the DOC in 1990, I want to say 1991, and uh, they pretty quickly out the gate came out with uh, Dr. Dre's The Chronic, which went triple platinum. And um, was huge. Was just huge. and was like and introduced Snoop Dogg to the world. Yes. There was so it was twofold. It was basically like you were like, oh, what does Dre sound like alone, really, for his own full album? And then it was also like you were like, what? Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. And then that spawned its own, you know, entire branch on its own. But yeah, sorry, Ken. No, no, that's hey, uh, look who's back. Hey. I got two, I got two pox by my computer battery. Oh man! <laughs> lights, lights just went out on me. <laughs> oh man! Did it Did it walk itself over to the, uh, the computer repair store? <laughs> Remember that when Tupac got shot and like refused yeah. medical assistance and just walked to the. He was on a. I mean, he was operating on another level than anyone ever. What did I miss? Anything good? Um, Ken took his penis out. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, next time, Joe. Next yeah. time. <laughs> That's what you get for logging in with a busted computer. <laughs> That's what he said when he pulled it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, were just, we were just talking about uh, The Chronic, how that was kind of... Um, yeah. uh, they're they're like right out the gate death row comes out with with the chronic which goes triple platinum and uh revolutionizes like that is now mtv has fully embraced rap like i feel like the chronic was almost as it was almost as um big uh uh a blow to rock music as like grunge was when it came out. I mean, I know grunge was rock, but it was like grunge was almost like the last dying breath. And then, yeah. And then the chronic and then the chronic, which you said more importantly introduced Snoop Dogg. And then uh doggy style comes out in 93 and goes quadruple platinum. Yeah, I mean, those are just, it, it is a different time. <laughs> yeah, the, the album's the, going quadruple better. The other thing about the chronic is like, you know, the whole that whole scene, the whole nineties, it's all East Coast, West Coast rap. Right. East Coast versus West Coast. And before that, rap is just hip hop is just the East Coast. Like yeah. the other people yeah, right. are doing it. But the chronic is then like, okay, now we have now we have a rival. Yeah. Right. Which I never understood I never understood East Coast, West Coast. Like before before Death Row Records, I mean, they're really the first ones that that started the the rivalry. Before, like the biggest uh, rivalry in hip hop before that was like it was like Will Smith and Parents. Like it wasn't. Yeah, it's a big beef. <laughs> yeah. it, or Will and Uncle Phil. That was also yeah. a big. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Will had problems with everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, and and that's a that's a West Coast thing. Like even on the East Coast, there's not like we don't have gang warfare. People just kill each other over some shit. Yeah, like a you parking I mean? spot. Yeah, like yeah. we have gangs are like you wear red and we wear blue, and then like within those fighting, it's like you wear dark blue and we wear light blue, and then within that, it's like you wear blue as pants and we wear the shirts. They're they're just like they need to beef with somebody all the time. The weather's too nice to not have drama. You're like, oh, what am I supposed to just chill? Nah, I'm going to literally beef with everybody. <laughs> um, well, what's, what, what's interesting, though, about on that point, um, what, so I learned there was um, 
I, oh, fuck. I can't remember the name of it. I, it was like the last one or so. I just watched a good documentary on uh, on Suge Knight um, by the same dude who made uh, Biggie and Tupac. But when he formed Death Row Records. Was it A Knight's Tale? No, that was that was no, no, that. Though that was oh, no, that was Heath Ledger. That was, that was also, Heath Ledger. That was a, a medieval Heath Ledger a, movie. A pivotal that, figure, a pivotal figure in the scene of '90s hip hop as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Heath Ledger's contributions go largely uh, enormous. <laughs> um, you say that, but if that Joker movie had been out in the '90s, he would have been all over. They, they, they would have been not him, but that would have been sampled to death. Yeah. Um, but. Suge Knight starts out in the music industry as a bodyguard. He starts out as as Bobby Brown's bodyguard. Uh, he was a failed he, he was a failed football player. He, he wanted to go to the NFL. He actually played three games for the Rams during the '87 uh, strike. He was he was a replacement oh, wow. player. Suge Knight, um, the scab. Yeah, was it? Yeah, scab Knight. Wasn't he also? Um, like, wasn't he just kind of spoiled sort of about it? Wasn't he like, yeah, it seems like a lot of work. Like, I, I can't remember where I read that one time, but I, I think he was also like, like everyone, you know what I mean? Like to make a 52 man roster, like you are <laughs> guts and sweat and everything. And he was kind of like, man, seems like a lot of bullshit. And everyone was like, yeah, the whole thing is, um, but he, I'm sure he also couldn't hack it. He's huge though. What are his dimensions? Yeah. Oh, um, He's like what, like six eight. Yeah, he's huge. Well, he the first time I saw a picture, four hundred pounds. He did start out as a bodyguard, so that's, yeah, he he started his... out. Yeah, he he was like a he was a bodyguard in the music industry. Then he forms his own music publishing company, um, and then they he gets the money to fund Death Row Records from forcing Vanilla Ice to sign over the royalties to Ice Ice Baby. So there's a famous story behind that. Vanilla Ice claims that he claimed at one point that Suge Knight bust into his hotel room with with a couple other dudes and dangled him off the balcony. Uh, Vanilla Ice used a sample in that song. I guess a different, like not the famous Queen and David Bowie one, but he used a sample from one of Suge Knight's artists, and he he didn't he didn't pay him for for it. So Suge, so he claimed at one point, Vanilla Ice claimed that Suge Knight dangled him off the balcony of a hotel until he agreed to to sign over the royalties. Vanilla Ice walked that statement back a few years later and saying he only threatened to to dangle him off of the balcony. Big difference. He, he, he finally got Suge uh, to leave him alone when he was like, all right, stop. We'll collaborate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen. How long it takes Suge Knight to understand that he's doing a bit? All right, I'm listening. I just cracked with a brand new invention. What is it? Suge's grabbing hold of me tightly. What? What? <laughs> by the way, if you tell me that Freddie Mercury and David Bowie are hanging him over a balcony by his ankles, I believe it. Yeah. That is, that, <laughs> I was... if, the, the idea that if anyone is balcony dangling over that song, it's not those two. Yeah. Shook Knight's like, no, oh, that symbol's mine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, do you do you know that? Do you know that famous quote from Vanilla Ice? Oh, uh, it's the best. It's the greatest, Joe. Do you know it? Theirs no. is banan banana banana. Mine is. Literally, everyone's like, "What?" It was like theirs was ten and ten and and mine is ten 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 and ding. It was like he was like, "No, that ding." His lawyers were like, "Ice, can you actually come here for a second? Can we actually demic him for a minute and let's go off record for a little while?" <laughs> yeah, I, so I'm I'm super curious how those royalties didn't end up with uh, Queen and David Bowie, um, but apparently he makes enough money off those royalties to start to start Death Row Records. And by the way, I just want to say this: like I know Suge Knight is you know correctly seen as a thug, but it's that's not. It, 
there is sort of some musical tradition there, not necessarily dangling people out windows, but uh, like Frank Sinatra, when when he wanted to get out of Tommy Dorsey's contract, went went to his godfather, who was a member of the Genovese family. And that scene in The Godfather is based off of Tommy Dorsey. And they, they put a gun to Tommy Dorsey's head and said, you're going to release Frank from this contract. And he ends up doing like they offered him 60 grand. He said no. And then uh, they put a gun to his head and he did it. You know what? It. I'll take the 60. The 68 makes a lot of sense now. Uh, now that I'm now that I'm thinking about the investment opportunities with the 60, I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, he sh- and that was like sixty grand, you know, like in nineteen forty-seven or something. Yeah, that was like enough to retire. Five hundred grand now. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So <laughs> there is, you know, like people have used violence in in music to to get what they need before. Um, and nine and nineties rappers have imitated gangster movies for as long as time. You know, as long as we have, they're like, yeah, oh, it's a scene from The Godfather. We'll just do that. A tale as old as time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if that as, doesn't work, say hello to my little friend. Yeah, that's the one. Right. I mean, every every everyone was like, I was a Scarface, my man. I mean, I remember my friend getting uh, literally like taken away by the cops for stealing a Scarface CD from Best Buy. Oh, the rapper Scarface. Yeah. Not like not like Al Pacino doing like <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. I was like the the musical score. <laughs> Listen to this shit. <laughs> so Death Row Records had so this is this was to your point earlier, Joe. They had what I was watching in this documentary, they had bloods and crips. And cops, like off-duty cops, all working together under the same roof. Which, when you think about it, it's pretty amazing. Like, Kahuna, were you here when we did the Otis Redding episode, Kahuna? I was not. Oh, so like Stax Records, uh, when they they were in the most segregated town, I if it was like Alabama or Mississippi, that town was totally segregated, but they had blacks and whites working together. To, to make those records and Suge Knight pulled off uh, and and Suge Knight pulled off a similar feat. Um, yeah. When you think about when you like, it's just so interesting that the cops are thrown into that mix, like off duty cops were working for him. Um, didn't do him a ton of good because he still went to jail a bunch. Well, it, with egregious crimes, <laughs> the cops are like, look, Suge, I mean, we can fudge the edges, but holy fuck, can't, <laughs> you can't suburban people. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing about him running those two people over. <laughs> I like the setup. <laughs> he claimed it was self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> two pedestrians. In the parking lot that yeah. he ran over. It's good. Backed up and ran over a second time. You listen. You stick around and listen for the rest of it. If he says that, you go, all right, give him a shot. I want to see where this goes. Yeah, that's that, that's the excuse that you come up with when you have, like, cops who are so good at their job that they also part-time with death row records. They're like, listen, if anything happens, just say it was self-defense. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Got it. every time. Got it. <laughs> Hey, sugar, not when you're driving over people. We should have carved yeah. that out for you. <laughs> we, we we thought that was obvious, but okay. Yeah, it seemed like a no-brainer. But yeah. uh... now now we know where we're working with, and <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I'm curious about like what you guys think about the musical legacy, though, because um, Dr. Dre said when they formed it that they wanted to be the Motown of the 90s. And in a way, they they kind of pulled it off there for a few years. Yeah. I mean, when you think when you think back to that era, like. I, I mean, I think like obviously like, you know, Biggie, I mean, Biggie is amazing and the music that was coming out was great, but I still think when I think about like who seemed to be the most popular kind of just was on all, I mean, really like the stuff they were putting out there because it really was a salt. It was, it was just like, 
as soon as like the chronic came out, you were like, holy fuck, this is the best rap album ever. And then once Snoop Dogg started, that splintered off into its own dimension. And that kind of has kept happening. You know, it's almost like the Bill Walsh coaching tree, like yeah. with Dre, where you're just like, it just has permeated over and over where there are connections where you probably don't even know there are connections. But I, I would say, yeah, like if that was the mission, it, it was, it was, it was nonstop. It was like, it was just assaultive. I think of it like the NBA, like the, the NBA started and was like a thing, but not until the eighties. Do you know, they start playing the finals games live. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That they're on tape and it's all the magic Larry bird. Right. Rivalry. Right. Like that's where it, like it was happening and it was a growing thing, but that rivalry, it makes it explode. And I feel like the same thing in hip hop. Like you have, you have it starting here and you have it starting there. Obviously it's like an East coast thing. But then when, when you have the biggie Tupac, when you have East coast, West coast, and you have all that, it's like, boom, now the national attention is on that, whether it be for the music, whether it be for the violence, whatever. And then the whole world looks there and then people start choosing sides, discovering music. And like Garrett said, you know, after it all, after the dust settles and everybody starts crossing over, it's like, it's like, you know, the after Christ portion of uh, hip hop. Yeah. yeah. It's like the big bang. Yeah. It's just like, here we go. Also, I mean, you, you I remember, I remember when, um, I forget where they, oh no, it was the source awards were in New York and it was like, yes, that yeah. moment really felt like the seed for all that shit. Like it really did feel like, so there was this moment that you could kind of point to that just felt so public, so tense. And from then on, it just seemed like it just kept heating up. I mean, like when, when it felt like for a long time, people were talking about how like basically, you know, Tupac's going to get killed, you know, before he got killed. I mean, that was out there. It, it, you know, I mean, that's how fucking nuts it got. Yeah. Yeah. What, and, it, and, and it's amazing that like all of us then are probably somewhere in our teenage lives as white dudes. And we're like, we're like, oh, yeah, oh. that dude is going to eventually get murdered by that other. Dude. We're like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> like looking back on like, how, how do we how are we all no. talking about this? I yeah. know. Yeah. No, that, it's like how Kurt Cobain was probably going to die. It was like they were just things that you were like. We're out yeah. there. But yeah, no, it felt very, it was like, yeah, it was getting to that point. I mean, there was, well, cause Snoop got brought up on murder charges. I mean, you know, shit was like crazy. Yes. Yeah. And, and what Gareth's referring to before at the source awards was, um, Suge Knight very, they, they won an award for best soundtrack. And then he very publicly, uh, dissed Puffy. Uh, oh yeah. Right. He's going, producers who don't want there's some producers who don't want to be all up in the videos they don't need to be in the video like he's alluding yes, yeah, so strongly yeah. to puffy who was right. let's all be honest very annoying in the videos <laughs> yes should had a point i know yes yeah but it's like what do you do you're like you're beefing with a break dancer like who cares yeah yeah, yeah i know but he he said hey any artists that that don't that don't want their producers trying to be stars and in the videos come sign with death row and he's in new york for the source awards and they are very loudly booing him yeah and then and it was right away. You're like, holy fuck. I mean, there were, you could, I mean, people were like standing up, like shouting shit at him. So it gets really intense. But then it was also like when they were performing or when they were accepting awards, like Snoop Dogg, like Snoop eventually gets up there and he's like, you guys don't have any love for the West coast, like shit like that. And yeah, I mean, you just, and then, I mean, yeah, it just, it just was so pivotal. And even at the time, like I remember like Kurt Loder being like, oh, attention at the source awards last night. But you were like, wow, it seems like it's getting fucking serious. <laughs> Can you imagine Kurt Loder having to report on that shit? I would. How about this? Let's make Me a reality my show. It's half down waiting for Serena Alchol and then fucking Kurt Loder's there. And I'm like, Jesus, I gotta pull my pants up and hear about Source I'm, Awards beef. I'm, I'm trying to make Kurt Loder's, not watch him. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's not John Norris. 
pulling pulls pants oh, up God, dejectedly. Yeah. You think Kurt was like the British invasion bands never behaved like this? Yeah. <laughs> you never had the kinks threatening the murder the fucking stones. Yeah. The who? Yeah. <laughs> The kinks accepting awards. If you want someone who's not all smashing their guitars and not into smashing all their stuff, you're the band's the kinks, not the who. Now, buy your new single, Come Dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Very aggressive. An aggressive album. Um, uh, Death Row really takes off. They start making, at one point, during their their heyday, they're making a hundred million a year, um, which is insane when when you when you think about it. Uh, That's like thirty trillion dollars today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, like when you like hundred million dollars in the nineties is, and it insanity. was it was sixty thousand in Sinatra times. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I guarantee you no other NFL replacement players went on to make $100 million. Like, he was making probably more money than he would have if he had made it to the NFL. The defensive line coach was just, like, watching. He was like, good night. <laughs> the defensive lineman? What? Just like, Jesus. I thought his name was Marion. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. How did Marion yeah, get all that money? Um. They start to make a shitload of money when when they sign they sign Tupac. So Tupac is sitting in jail for a sex assault case, and nobody will bail him out. It's like a million dollar bond or something. And then Suge tells him, "Hey, if you sign with Death Row, I'll get you out of jail." And then uh, he signs, he bails him out, and then Tupac came out like with a vengeance against. The New York, he he had he was, I was reading some of the acts that Tupac w was writing uh, verses about. Like he was he was he was dissing like Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, crazy. And like those are like <laughs> you, the Switzerland groups. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, first off, who doesn't love? I thought everybody just universally loved them. <laughs> Yeah. I love yeah, I love that thinking of Tupac just writing <laughs> diss tracks and then just having a rhyme book that just has a list of New York artists' names. And he's like, yeah. what rhymes with my rest? Oh, Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> yes, that's it. Fuck them. Knife Hog. Fife Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he was, I mean, when he, well, I'm sure you can get to this, but yes, he came out and you were like, holy fuck, this dude is like a Tasmanian devil right now. Yes. He was just, he was just throwing haymakers, releasing, I mean, he was on fire. Yeah. Well, he releases all eyes on me. So I'll, I'll admit, I was never, I was more, I guess, uh, if I had to choose sides, I'm an East Coast dude. I li I liked I liked Biggie more than than I I mean you couldn't escape Snoop or uh, Dre back then you know you, you it's not Biggie wasn't exactly all over MTV but I I guess I'm just an East Coast guy it, I, I mean but that's the, what they that's why I said the rivalry was like I feel like everything because again we're suburban white kids on the east coast we're like yeah we ride with biggie he's like i'm fine thanks guys but like that was the whole point it was like the marketing of it i know they all had real big people end up dead you know yeah but uh, there's also this theater that's going on and it's like you know wwe wrestling where you're like okay yeah now i ride with them and it's it's, it's like where the whole thing comes from yeah, I didn't really start paying attention until Tupac came out. Was like, "Fuck the Ramones and fuck Blondie and fuck CBGBs." I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" It was aggressive. It was aggressive. <laughs> I'm gonna dig up Joey Ramone, Tupac. You stop that. <laughs> uh, actually, and I—I I mean, when you think about it, you guys like, yeah, you guys had your coastal things, and then I was in Wisconsin, and you know, we had Cuckoo Cal. You throw him in the mix, <laughs> you know what I mean? What? It's like, holy shit, this is. This shit's going to get real. You got Cuckoo Cal, you know, all the big ones. Biggie, Tupac, Cuckoo Cal. So <laughs> I've never heard of Cuckoo Cal. Who is Cal. Cuckoo Cal? You guys remember Cuckoo. You know, you guys are playing, obviously, you know. <laughs> you know Cuckoo Cal. Come around my projects. You guys remember that song? 
Kahuna projects. Dude. No, nothing. Nobody. Uh, no. <laughs> when Cuckoo Cal came out, everyone in Milwaukee was like, we got a fucking someone's on the map representing us now. And everyone, <laughs> nobody knew him. It was like, <laughs> it was fleeting. It was fleeting. Weird black guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because yeah. I'm like I'm like a guy from Wisconsin called Cuckoo Cal. Um, I wouldn't be surprised I, if he spells all of them with K a and it's a white supremacist thing. Oh yeah, but, God, what? A, that's I'm all. Looking at him now. Wait, wait, what? Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Kahuna pulled him up. I'm looking at Cuckoo Cal now. <laughs> yeah, he wore a Michael Red jersey. I thought you were making this shit up. I'm not <laughs> no, gonna no, lie. no, 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 Cuckoo Cal, man. Oh, he God. was he was on MTV. We were like, oh fuck, come on, and it was just one. It was one song, but it, and it wasn't even that popular. Oh yeah, we look, were like the, the in Milwaukee. We we're like, we got a star. We got a shooting star from our area. The first people always ask is, when did Cuckoo Cal and my projects come out? All right, Gary. A lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people are. <laughs> <laughs> your story checks out. Thank God. If I if he was just a figment of my imagination, this would get a really weird. Would be twist. funny if the second half of this was an intervention for you to get yeah. help on your. He was real. He's my drop dead friend. <laughs> I knew him. Cuckoo Cal. He's Cuckoo real. Cal. <laughs> I'm getting put in the back of a white van. He's my friend. How long do you think it took him to come up? Like how many was he? Like crazy cow? No. Oh. Badass, like I want to convince that I want to project that I'm I'm a little nuts, but not nuts. overly. He's just, not he's like, trying to create a name that even Suge Knight wouldn't fuck with. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you're going for like, that. Like, yeah, like Suge's crazy, but this guy's like clown crazy. I feel like all these all the name origin stories. If you're on Wikipedia, it's always like. He his grandma would just say Cal's so cuckoo and it stuck and it like he wasn't even going to be a rapper but just at three he was known around the house as cuckoo Cal yeah <laughs> just wouldn't he would just eat his food off his brother's place he was cuckoo from day one that was he loved those birds he was always painting cuckoo birds what would Joe what would your rap name be if you were like whatever nickname you were growing up oh good lord oh jeez yeah. Whatever nickname I was growing up. Oh, God, I, can't I have really, no idea. I can't say that on air. Yeah, my, yeah. <laughs> my, I wet the bed till I was like eight. So <laughs> nice. My brothers nicknamed me the Midnight Sailor. Oh, <laughs> the Midnight Sailor is like yes, that's not a. How bad. old were your brothers? That is like adult level funny. Yes, that's well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, no. they were they were all at least six years older, so. The Midnight Sailor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rap origin stories never had that much pizzazz. It was always just, oh, we call him Pissy Pants Ken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> PP Ken. Oh, fuck. I lost my place in my notes. <laughs> Read us another Gareth Reynolds post-show quote you wrote down. <laughs> oh, I have to I have to get my Gareth notebook. Um no, those were the only two that I committed to memory because they, they made me laugh. So I'm, I'm curious. So like, what do you like when they're making a hundred million a year? Do you think they're just like, this is never going to end or we have to spend it all now because this is going to come crashing down so soon? I think that amount of money is like, I'm going to spend on every single thing I want and like, I, I feel like those guys, everybody but MC Hammer was a, was able to live beyond, way beyond their imaginations, and still have tons of money left over. Well, Somehow, MC Hammer was the only one that put himself in the poorhouse. Well, Vanilla Ice hung MC Hammer over a balcony and took all his money. <laughs> <laughs> only the, one of this, this town's only big enough for one pair of stupid pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His hammer's slipping out of those pants. <laughs> Hey, man, they don't have good grip at the ankles. That's <laughs> why so they called them parachute pants. He, he went to uh, over he and he just dove away. He just Wouldn't dove that be away. funny if they were like, no, fucking, they just dropped MC Hammer and he ripped yeah. his pants and off. And he's jumping. Is <laughs> <laughs> Hammer parasailing over lands, there? Lands safely. Lands vanilla safely ice. The vanilla ice chases him in his pants. I'll get him. He jumps off. He's flying. Then Shug's yelling at the henchman. How many times I got to tell you those are parachute pants? That's why he wears them. <laughs> um, 
So they start making a hundred. So they're they're living high on the hog. But then not long after Tupac gets out of jail, releases All Eyes on Me, makes a, makes them a shitload of money. That's when that's when he gets. Uh, I love that they say he was assassinated. That's that's when he was murdered in in Vegas. Uh, at the that was Tupac, right? At the Tyson fight. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, between Tupac dying and then Suge Knight is in and out of jail over the next few years. At one point, he um, he gets five years probation for beating up a couple rappers. I guess they were, I couldn't even find the names of the people that he beat up. Um, be funny if one of them was Cuckoo Cal. <laughs> uh, not for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> An aggressive move towards a local icon for me. <laughs> um, so between losing Tupac and being in and out of jail uh, over the next few years, so after his probation, he then he he violates it by beating up another dude. I love Suge Knight's like rap sheet because he goes to the Source Awards and he's like, yeah, if you don't want your producers dancing in your videos, come sign with us. If you want your producers beating the shit out of you and making <laughs> right. you sign your contracts at gunpoint, come sign with us. Yeah. I think I'll let you the guy be in the video. Guy. Yeah. I, think, I don't mind the guy being in the background. That's fine. He can yeah. be in the, background. the background who's five foot six. Yeah, he can stay. He's fine. Um, yeah, with hindsight being twenty twenty, it seems like Puffy may have won this one. Well, I mean, when you talk about lifestyle now, yeah, Puffy's yeah. out on top. <laughs> For sure. Cuckoo Cal is, is probably doing better. Cuckoo Cal's doing great. Don't you worry about it. He's working on that follow-up. Yeah, Cuckoo Cal uh, changed from C's to K's, and he's doing real great in the southern country hip-hop circuit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See? He's found his audience. Yeah. <laughs> he took advantage of our political time, you know? Yeah. He was like, you yeah, know he leaned in. You know what? The QAnons, they need a rapper. Make America coup again. <laughs> that's, a, that's when they stormed the Capitol. They were like, we're going to have a coup, coup de Qatar. <laughs> we're going to have a coup, coup capital. Yeah. We're going to commit a coup, coup against the government. <laughs> oh, my God. That was, that was beautiful. Fuck, that was funny. Oh, that was so good. Put uh, it in the quote book, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Okay. It's go now, Gareth. Now, when I speak of you, I'm going to have three things to tell people. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So, uh, Death Row starts losing steam in in the early 2000s. Uh, every time Shug goes away, it seems like more and more artists start defecting. Uh, corrupt leaves at one point and then um you know things are bad when and they were never the like, same after that yeah <laughs> <laughs> corrupt like i don't know you guys are shady yeah can you You're imagine corrupt. like yeah your, your name is corrupt you're on the most corrupt label there i don't agree with how you guys do your finances <laughs> <laughs> i've been looking under the hood here and things are not as they corrupt as what do you mean hey i'm not i loving it i'm not uh, trusting you guys as much <laughs> Um, and Dre leaves, so so they lose. It's a big, it's a big problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when Dre when Dre's gone, you're like, I mean, I feel like that's gonna leave a hole. Yeah. Well, not, yeah. They did, what we're know, doing. Dre leaves. Tupac's dead. Um, Snoop. Not long after that. Uh, and then right. I remember. I remember that phase where Snoop was hanging in there for like probably like five months or something like that before he like fled the. Yeah. The cuckoo. Yeah. Um, but yeah. They, um, and Suge Knight, I'm, I'm, um, it's, to me, this is almost impressive. So I'm watching this documentary and Suge Knight, I think, I, I, I don't remember if it was actually from prison or if he orchestrated somebody to do it for him. But Snoop, Snoop and Suge Knight in a Rolling Stone interview and then Suge, Upon like as he's getting close to his release date from prison, sends Snoop a phone message. He leaves him a message on his voicemail that is the sound of a dog barking and then a gunshot 
and then a dog whimpering. Oh my god! Yeah, and Suge was, and Suge just said something like, you know, um, I'll I'll see you soon or something like that. Suge famous for having a uh, whole office full of foley artists just to scare people on voicemail. Very. Like, now I'm going to need you to do dog barking, and then you're going to do dog. What whimpering. kind of shoes are you wearing when you walk in the room, yeah. Suge? <laughs> Uh, we don't need that. Is the door squeaky? No, look, it's really just the gunshot and the dog whimper. Feels like a breezy day, doesn't it, Chug? Yeah, this guy got two blocks. Smack him the yeah. other. <laughs> That's a cat. Why are you doing a cat? My we're, dog. We're trying to Snoop Dog. I blew my voice out. I can't do dogs as good. <laughs> a cat, I think, yeah. is also scary. Yeah, what if we get him to change his name to Stoop Kitty, and then this message will have some context. It will really, really resonate with this guy. <laughs> That's the move, Shug. <laughs> I just like that he, he sat in jail for seven or eight years for assault, and then, like, with all that time to reflect and think about the consequences of his actions, he was yeah, like, that's what he was doing I, I should... <laughs> I should. I should. I should. Many, many of the other inmates says said Suge Knight big on reflecting. Yeah, he was. He yeah. spent a lot of time reflecting. Yeah. Suge, uh, oh, the contemplative man. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I do just, you remember about Suge? Uh, he would he would wait in line for the phone every day, pretty calmly, and then when he'd get on the phone, he would threaten to kill somebody for the entirety of his phone time, uh, mostly on their voicemails. <laughs> Um, he had a couple I, of guys doing sound effects next to him. Good Shug. What kind of shoes are you wearing? <laughs> Same shoes. I I just like I just like that he had all that time to calm down, and as he's getting released, he's like, I better start leaving threatening voicemails so people. Like you know what it reminded me of? like when Latrell Sprewell choked PJ Carlissimo, and then they threw him out of the gym, and he went and sat outside on the sidewalk for like 30 minutes and thought about everything that had just happened and came to the conclusion that he didn't choke him enough and he needed to go back in and choke him a second time. <laughs> Latrell Spiro, also Milwaukee man. So just for the record, I'm just saying we're throwing up some pretty big names from where I'm from. I think part of the, part of the thing too is if you're Suge Knight, there, the level of invincibility you have for the first half of your life is yeah. unfathomable. Yeah. It's like Larry the Cable Guy hip hop, where it's like you're not going to be able to process this level of success in any way that is coherent or able to teach you anything. And he's able to threaten vanilla. You know what I mean? Like, so all these things work in his favor. The violence plays out properly for him. And it's like a, it's a it's a good path. And then the second half, it's just like, buddy, no, it is. This is actually you just were very lucky for the first half. This is how it normally kind of goes. And he just felt, yeah, I mean, still like the dude who was just totally. And that's part of his brand. Part of his brand is being like the baddest motherfucker. And, you know, there's some uh, consequences that come with that. It's also his only talent, right? Like he's not. Yeah. Is Shug Knight, does he have any musical history whatsoever? <laughs> that's why he he's couldn't be in the video. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. why he no. couldn't be in the video. He was like, like, I don't yeah. have anything to bring. I can't. He was like, I could pose for magazine covers with a cigar. And that's about as much as I can bring to the table. Yeah, cigar aficionado when he went to jail was like, no, <laughs> it was every February. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's funny. Um, yeah. So in 2008, Suge Knight and Death Row declare bankruptcy. And uh, it's pretty much over at that point until bankruptcy uh, was an artist. They just signed, right? <laughs> <laughs> Corrupt changed his name to bankruptcy. Yeah. I think this could be more fitting for us. <laughs> Do you know who actually owns Death Row Records now? Oh, yeah, this is uh, the, yeah, the I, brand. Tell me, and this, tell me it's Vanilla Ice. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's even better because it's kind of hilarious. So they're owned by Hasbro now. What? Wow. So Death Row is technically owned by My Little Pony, and I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually it's so Hasbro Records. They, they, I'm not even. No, I'm not even. No, so, no. So Hasbro bought a company called E1. E1 had Death Row mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of labels under it. But 
now E1 is Hasbro. Yes. So e, yes. So E1 bought Death Row Records like at an auction. You know, like like in bankruptcy. They bought them for like eighteen million, <laughs> which I didn't even know you can. I, I knew you could do that with like houses. I didn't know you could be yeah. like. I'm also like, what did you buy? Like the stamp yeah. that you put on CDs? Like, what are you buying? Chug Knight? Yeah. Like I, they're, they're, they're no, buying essentially. the back catalog, right? Well, uh, that yeah. and you're not and you're not entirely wrong, Joe. It is kind of like the name, because when you hear Death Row Records, you understand what era of hip hop you're getting into. So you're not even though they're not necessarily a label anymore. As far as I know, it's more or less a brand that still is known because we're still talking about it. Yeah, right. So. That's kind of the they 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 did attempt to rebrand there right at the end, and they they changed their name to the Row. I guess they thought uh, uh, maybe they that's did. That's like some... when Radio Shack was the Shack. Yeah, yeah. Like, guys, yeah. Uh, that's not the issue we have. That's not our problem. Right. I love like when uh, when this past year when everybody had to change their names to to less offensive shit like like yeah. uh, they had to get rid of Aunt Jemima and then Uncle Ben's were like all right we're just Ben's and it was like why was why was what Uncle was bad yeah <laughs> why yeah they they were yeah. like we haven't really listened but we made a big change everyone's like I don't think you got it we're gonna be your father's brother ben (laughs) what the fuck are you talking it's a better it's a more sensitive title we agree um (laughs) yeah so they they tried rebranding to the row i guess maybe they they did some market research and and found people were were turned off by the the death part yeah the death part. Yeah. It's like Kentucky Fried Chicken. I think yeah. people are turned off by the fried part. Let's just be KFC. It's like everybody fucking knows what you are, dude. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They're like, legally, we're clear now. <laughs> we never said it was chicken. You came in and ordered chicken, and we gave you what we gave you. Oh, I just can't stop thinking about a My Little Pony with a Thug Life belly tattoo. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Sugar Bears. Yeah. The Sugar Bears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Death Row Bright. My Little yeah. Sugar Night. But this way, it's like. Yeah. This one, like Vanilla Ice, feels more comfortable being being dangled off the balcony because you got that kung fu grip. We're gonna teach you a lesson, Ice. I didn't do anything. It goes na 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 na. It's different. No, Ice, that's intellectual property at minimum. Oh fuck! I love that Vanilla Ice's name is Rob Van Van Winkle, and then he was like, "Well, that's not a good rap name." Yeah. He's like, how will people respond? Yeah, how will people respond to a Roald Dahl character name? <laughs> <laughs> that good or bad? Feels like, yeah. I remember when Vanilla. I'm not kidding. When my brother's 12 years older and was in a death metal band, and when he heard me playing Vanilla Ice's full CD, he came into my room and he opened my five disc changer and he took out Vanilla Ice and he threw it out the window and said, <laughs> "I thank him one." He goes, "You'll thank me one day." You're old. <laughs> And then, he, like any, and years later, he's like, "And I'm like, you were right." You were right. <laughs> he threw it out the window, like he's not from Milwaukee. Yeah, put this in. <laughs> this guy's yeah. talking about our projects. This is cuckoo cow. <laughs> uh, I like that cuckoo cow was like sitting around watching Happy Days and was like, "This does not represent us well anymore." Yeah. Exactly. He flipped the play page from Schlemiel Schlemazel. <laughs> quite a gap in time there of relevancy, though. And that is the story of Suge Knight, everybody. Wow. An American hero. Where is Suge Knight right now? Jail. Jail. Is he? he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah for oh, when, when he ran over those two gentlemen in the, in the parking lot, he killed... Uh, excuse me, when those two gentlemen attacked the underbelly of his car... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so yeah. Jesus, Ken, why don't you tell us whose side you're on? Allegedly, <laughs> yeah, allegedly, please. Allegedly, ran over the two gentlemen Alleg- twice. 
<laughs> One of them uh, died, so he is now serving uh, 28 years to life. When he gets out, fucking, we all better watch out. The three of us better watch out. I know. We'll be on the list. Yeah. It's just going to be Roe then, but yeah. they're going to come back hard. Yeah. He's going to just leave me a voicemail of him shooting cuckoo cow in a yard. <laughs> you know what's going to end up happening? Cuckoo, cuckoo cow's going to buy Death Row Records. Uh, and it's, it's going to be called Row, Row, Row Your Boat Records. Yes. <laughs> I'm cuckoo cow in charge of Row, Row, Row. I'm still thinking of the foliar just walking. <laughs> hey, what are you doing here, Sugar? Don't you worry about it, cuckoo. Bam. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just... So cool now. You know what's <laughs> crazy is that they would have to p- pay the voice actor who pays Cuckoo Cal for that message more than they would have to yeah. pay Cuckoo Cal. Like it would, <laughs> <laughs> would be. It's Scott, we want you to feature on a track. Oh, what's the track? Are you dying? <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll one hundred percent do this gig. <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't even need to hear the second part. I will do it. <laughs> we have to scare three guys on a podcast. We we need to pretend like you're being murdered. Okay. When when did they make this podcast? It was it was twenty six years ago, but we're <laughs> we're we're out now and we can handle it. I'd love to work with Shug. <laughs> Shug, if you're listening, uh, we would love to work with you. Oh fuck guys, I laughed my ass off. You guys have fun? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, for sure. I know I'm going to spend the rest of my day going down a Spotify cuckoo cow wormhole. Yes. Oh yeah, I think we're all in full agreement. Wonder, <laughs> I first... feel like that wormhole is going to be more of like a dead end tunnel than a. Uh... <laughs> it's going to be more like a peephole. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to go down too far down a tube. No, nah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a like a Looney Tunes wall that looks like a tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be like you know, Josh like when people be... put like leaves over a ditch to trap someone. You jump in that, but it's up to your knees. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy quit digging it. Uh, Joe's going to listen to that one song and then look around the hole like, all right, I think I'm done here. You're, you're right, well, gonna looks, the- looks like the rest of my day is freed up. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have a, yeah, you'll have a lot of time to do stuff, actually, you'll find. Yeah, it's like uh, the too- rest of the day to reflect. Yeah, the rest of the day will be deep in thought about Cuckoo Cal yeah. and why that song is even that popular because it's not that good. Well, but, uh, I, I'm guessing. And in, again, in Milwaukee, I, mean, I say that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I mean, popular. I'm the only one who knew about Nobody's it. Nobody's ever heard of it other than you and the guy who performed it. <laughs> um, where uh, where can we find you guys? What do you have coming up? Uh, I live with Joe, <laughs> so I'll be there. Yeah, turn this right here. Yeah. Hey. Uh, you can find me at Reynolds Gareth on social media. My cat's feeder just went off. There it is. And uh, yeah, at YouTube, Gareth Reynolds TV. And then go to my website, GarethReynolds.com or my podcast, dollpodcast.com for any uh, live dates. Joe? Dollop, so good. Such a pod. I'm such a dollop fan. Are you? I am. Yeah. Oh, Joe, you're the best. I, I, I don't. I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts and I never listen to like podcasts regularly. So only when I travel and I'm like, Oh, I'm stuck in a plane or if I do the long car ride, but you, you guys are on my list for sure. I love. Thank you. I I don't listen to a lot of podcasts either, but Gareth, I was reading the description of the dollop today and it definitely struck me as something that I want to check out. We just did our 500th episode on uh, Eugene Debs. It, yeah, it, that's a good listener. People yep. listen to that. Anyway, Joe, sorry. Uh, I'm at Joe Prano on all social media except for Twitter at Fix Your Life, Thirty uh, Sports Podcast every Monday and Thursday, and JoePrano.com for dates going out on the road in support of Eddie Ift the next couple months. So I might be in the town near you. All right, guys, thank you so much for doing this. I hope that uh, I hope I get you back on. Yes. Yeah. Right. Only if Joe, <laughs> Joe does it. Joe's Wait, shaking yeah. his head no already. Joe and I are packaged. Yeah, Joe, that was an emphatic no. 
<laughs> Instead of Fat Joe, it's Emphatic Joe. Joe. Once Gareth once Gare said only if it was Joe, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm not. I'm just coming here to talk to Ken. <laughs> Joe, we should we should start a podcast about why we should never have started a podcast. I I agree. <laughs> Don't you think if you guys did your East Coast West Coast one, it would end a lot like the story we just discussed? Absolutely. Yeah. Create this yeah. bubbling rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Ends in one of you dead. Be having to do foley art about you know killing ken's daughter yeah jesus <laughs> too far ken nah put that, she, in, your, put that in your quote book she, yeah i will that, but that's going in the bad quotes that's yeah yeah the third book yeah <laughs> there's a whole nother book you guys don't even yeah. know about you don't even want to get in that one joe and you're just headlining it yeah there's there's one name in that book now and it's you hmm all right, Thanks guys. I'm honored. <laughs> guys, thank you uh, so much. Thank you. Well, a pleasure. Yep. Good to see you, Joe. I good miss to see you, you, buddy. Yeah, yeah good to see you soon. Good All to right. see you guys. Thank you. We'll see you next week. 